0: Welcome to Tell Me More Live, the recorded version of our live storytelling night at the Push Comedy Theater in Norfolk, Virginia. In this recording, we're going to present you with two storytellers instead of our usual one. So, Brendan Kennedy is going to tell us how two cats, and Amber Nettles is going to share how jumping out of a plane relate to the theme of the night, liberation. Liberation.
1: After we graduated high school, my parents decided to move out to Pungo in Virginia Beach. And so, yeah, Pongo's kind of in the middle of nowhere. They were sitting on two and a half acres. And really, it is, it is empty out there. If you've ever been out in Pungo at night and you look up into the sky, you see stars that you've never even seen before. Because usually when you're out in civilized society, there's like buildings and stuff that are blocking that out with their light. So it's really just nothing out there. And so one day, uh, it was maybe like a Tuesday night or something, I'm clicking around online, and about, you know, 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning, I decide, like, this isn't going anywhere. I need to go go up to bed and get some sleep. So I turn off all the lights, and I get ready to do that thing where you you run up the stairs because there could be monsters behind you. (laughs) And I put my first foot on the stair and I think I hear something, and I'm thinking to myself, like, no, no, I'm I'm making this up in my head. I'm looking for something to be afraid of. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So, and then I put my second foot on the stairs, and I hear what I swear to God sounds like a four-year-old screaming bloody murder. Now, I don't know if you guys uh, have ever been out to Pungo, but uh, that usually doesn't happen at 1 a.m., Like, 11 o'clock, 2 in the morning, all the time, but not 1 in the morning. And so I freak out, and I decide, like, you know, there's something horrible happening outside, and like a real man, I'm going to run upstairs and wake up my dad, (laughs) And there's a reason for this. Like, my, uh, my dad is a, a very, very tough guy. Uh, my dad was a New York City police officer for 23 years. My dad has uh, stories that he laughs about where he had to move a dead body. He, um, yeah. My dad is the kind of guy where he can start a story off kind of sounding weak and then finish it sounding really, really strong. Like, I was talking to him one night, and he's like, Hey, Brendan, you ever drink white wine spritzes? No, Dad, I've never had a white wine spritzer. I'm a man. And my dad's like, Oh, man, I remember I had so many of them one night, I threw up. I like, oh, why are you telling me this? He's like, Yeah, I had like 27 of them. And I was on acid at the time, so I thought I was throwing up my hot. <laughs> it's actually pretty fucking metal, Dad. That's awesome. <laughs> so I run upstairs as, as fast as I can, and my, my dad is asleep, of course, so like, I kind of try to shake him awake, and you know, he startles, he's like... What, what, what is it? I'm like, Dad, I don't know what's going on outside, but I just heard a four-year-old scream on our front porch. And my dad just is completely nonchalant about it. He's like, so see what he wants. <laughs> I'm like, well, I was thinking you're the ex-cop. You know, if something messed up is happening. Maybe you should be the one to check on this. So he's just kind of pissed. He's like, alright, alright. So he wakes up, and he's all stiff, and he starts walking down the stairs. And then like, I follow him, but except I stop at the second step because I don't want to see what's happening outside. And so my dad gets to the bottom of the stairs, opens the door, and he sticks his head out. And then like nothing, he just closes it. he looks back up at me and he goes, it was two cats fucking, you Mary! <laughs> so not only was I like, like a real bitch in that situation... But my dad had to use, like, old-school terminology to describe the amount of bitch that I was in that moment. But now I'm the man of my house, and so I'm liberated. I love
0: you, Amber! Thanks. I wore Spanx for you, so... You're welcome. Um, so, Thomas Keating was the best man I had ever known. He was born in New Jersey, and he was Irish and English, but he grew up in an Italian neighborhood, so he loved rye bread and uh, having an assortment of deli meats from the butcher in his fridge at all times, so you could always have a really, really good sandwich and He loved the redskins and good scotch and he married a beautiful woman who was about four foot nine, half his size, and uh, they moved here to Virginia he was In the military, the Army, and the Air Force. And when he uh, retired from the military, he went to work at a bank because he liked getting up in the morning and going to work. His beautiful wife never had to get a driver's license because he drove her everywhere. And his two daughters never wanted for anything. My grandfather was always early to things and he took care of you and he built a bar in his den so he could entertain guests and we could have football Sundays there and watch the Redskins and he could let me have parties there and have my friends over when I was old enough I was a little young to do it a couple times Um, he was he was an amazing man and he loved so many things but he didn't love anything as much as he loved me he uh he showed up to the hospital the day that I was born. My mother had gotten married outside of wedlock to a man who was married to someone else. I know. She was. She picked a winner there. And um, him and my grandmother didn't speak to my mother throughout her pregnancy because they were so upset and so disappointed. But he showed up the day that I was born. And, I mean, that was it. That was it. I was his only grandchild. And uh, he just... He was so entertained by me. You know, this was the the 80s and the 90s, and he bought me my first computer and then bought himself one a week later because he wanted to be able to talk to me about having a home computer and stuff, you know? Um, He came to my spelling bees, and he offered to help me in any way that he could. He, uh, he paid for half of my car. He liked the fact that I wouldn't let him pay for the whole thing, that I wanted to pay for half of it on my own. He didn't understand me because, you know, his wife didn't drive, but I was adamant. I am driving and I am working and I am getting through as much as I can. And we differed in opinions. Uh, he was conservative and I'm quite liberal and was back then as well. But um, we met in the middle a lot when we could. And he was just the best. I did a lot of things he didn't approve of. He didn't understand me um, delivering pizzas when I was 16. He thought it was dangerous. And that's not a battle that he won because I delivered pizzas until I found a better job and I was a waitress. And, uh, and I went to college and man was he excited when I went to college because not a lot of people in my family went to college. And uh, when I got hired at the Daily Press um, as a copy editor, he called up every New Jersey aunt and uncle to tell them how I got hired at the local newspaper. I was such a big deal. And then he told them exactly how much money I was making. (laughs) which was weird for me. Um, but for him, he had you know retired 20 years ago, so it was crazy. Like, they were going to pay you how much? He just, he thought I was shit, you know? Um, he didn't like the fact that uh, multiple times I lived with some men that I was involved with. Uh, just two could live cheaper than one, and... Uh, First, uh, the one I probably left when I was 22 and kicked him out. And the second one, I uh, kicked him out after a year and a half. And so at a certain point, um, I moved in with my grandfather. We loved each other so much. It seemed like a great idea. Um so grandpa and I are really different people. Uh, he likes to get up early and he likes to have the house very clean and he's very organized and if you have a question, he will figure it out. If you have to do anything, he will start making the calls and he likes to call and complain to businesses when something goes wrong. He's, you know, if, if he could, he'd write a Yelp review for everywhere he went. He was one of those people. Um, So, you know, living with a 25-year-old girl who waits tables in the mornings and then goes to work at the newspaper from 4 to midnight or 4 to 1 a.m. was a little bit of a lifestyle change for him. Um, I also had a tendency to leave the newspaper and then go out with my hard-drinking friends. And we had a little joke between us. I'd leave the house and he says, all right, shoot you at two. Because uh that almost happened more than once i would be I would be uh, trying to get in the house and i 'm drunk, and I really shouldn 't be this drunk and i 'm getting in and fumbling with the key, and i 'd getting into the house and grandpa 's at the top of the stairs with his gun. Why he thought an intruder would be using a key to get in i don 't understand but um you know we we tried to make it work he he would get angry with me a lot, but he was also in ill health, and I was glad I was able to be there. I told someone earlier, it was a blessing to be able to know my grandfather and know this man as an adult and be able to have real conversations with him about the world. And I mean, back, back in this time, there's so much going on, and so much was changing. And so for me to have that relationship with him was just invaluable. And uh, at the time, I started dating someone. And he was a tall, dark, Irish bartender. I wonder why I got that. My grandfather, he's the standard I hold everyone to. I wouldn't suggest dating the bartender who is roommates with one of your best friends and works at your favorite bar that you're at four or five nights a week. It doesn't usually end well. Um, but at the time, I thought it was a great idea. And uh, he loved the fact that I wore a clotter ring and that my birthday's on St. Patrick's Day and I have a shamrock, shamrock tattoo on my back. Like, It seemed like a match made in heaven. And all of our friends were, were at this bar and this area in downtown Hampton. And we just had so much fun fun. We were out at all hours of the night, and sometimes I would take my best friend back to my grandpa's house in the middle of the night, and we'd make huge deli sandwiches and watch the big screen TV down in the den with the bar, and it was amazing, you know. But my grandfather continued to get sick, and he was really just, uh, he wasn't doing well. He went in and out of the hospital, and um, in August of 2008, he passed away, and I I wasn't there. It was the middle of the night, and I was actually out with my friends at our favorite bar. My boyfriend was behind the bar serving me Jameson, and my mom was out with her friends at her favorite bar across town, and uh, the hospital got a hold of me first and told me that he died in his sleep. And then I had to call my mom, and when she picked up the phone, all I heard was screaming. And it was very hard. Uh, anybody who's had a hard loss knows what this is like because you don't know how to get through it. You, you have a memorial and a funeral, and you will talk and you will say things. And I said a lot of things at the funeral, but I didn't say enough. Like, I look back, and there's so much more I could have said. And uh, you try to live your life with a huge hole in it, and it's not until you can look back that you actually realize what a big hole there was. So my friends and I get back to our life and I'm waiting tables and I'm working at the newspaper and I'm going to the bar with my friends and drinking Jameson and Jameson and Jameson. I'm sleeping at my boyfriend's house all the time because I don't want to be in my grandfather's house alone. And so my friends are like, let's do something fun. So we decide we're going to go skydiving. (laughs) This is not a good idea. Um... But I'm like, sure, why not? Let's go skydiving. And anybody that knows me pretty well um, is probably surprised to know that I was like, sure, let's go skydiving. I'm not a risk taker by any means. And uh, we decide to do it. And three weeks later, we're going skydiving on Saturday, September 13th. And it's uh, Saturday, so of course, all my friends from downtown are working, or we're down at the bar and we're drinking. And I tell my boyfriend, don't get too drunk. Do not get too drunk, because I know him, and I know all of my friends. Do not get too drunk. We are jumping out of a plane tomorrow. Be careful. And I drink, which is stupid. And we, at 2 o'clock, we go back to our homes, and I go back to his house. And I'm trying to go to sleep, but people have come back, and they're still drinking. And he gets there at, like, 4, because that's when a bartender gets home from work. And he decides to keep drinking. And occasionally, he'll come into the bedroom to assess the situation, um, sexually? <laughs> he- <clears throat> also did not work out well for him. Uh, I was a real treat to be dating back then, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> no, get out of your own bedroom. <laughs> like- So we wake up in the morning, and uh, we all start gathering our forces, and we are meeting at this house, and my friends are taking shots. Some of them are still drunk and haven't slept at all, and I'm like, we're not even going to be able to skydive. We're going to get there, and they're going to tell us no. They did not do that. Um, We drive to skydive Suffolk, and it is a burning hot, sunny September day in Hampton Roads, which you all are very aware of, and... um, we just smell like a distillery. <laughs> Many of us have not showered. And the the Jameson and um, Irish car bombs are leaking through our pores, pretty much. And we show up, and I'm probably... Uh, one of our friends doesn't drink at all, bless her heart. I don't know how she dealt with us, but the rest of us, you know, we're a rough bunch. And then you have to... Um, sit through like an hour or two of training where they tell you what to do and when to do all of this stuff and the sun is baking us and it just, we smell like rum cake or something. I don't know, it's so bad. And then finally we're going up in the plane and again, I'm, I'm in this fugue state. I'm like, sure, this is a great idea. <laughs> what could go wrong? And uh, we go up in these planes and when you're in a plane and you're skydiving, there's an open door in the plane which is very surreal because you are up in the air and you can see out that door and it's just blue sky and it's like shit and uh and it's my turn and you have to tandem jump the first time so I've got this chick strapped to my back (laughs) and um And I mean, I was about 30 pounds lighter eight years ago, but I still had 40 pounds on her easy, and she was uh, like five inches shorter than me, and she's strapped to my back, so she's like trying to hold on. Um, So we we sit in the floor of the plane in front of the door, and I start inching forward, and you're inching forward, I'm inching forward, and then my feet are hanging out of the plane, and I'm inching forward, and then my calves, and then my knees, And then my thighs are out of the plane. And all of a sudden, my ass is out. I am sitting outside of the plane. The only thing that is holding me onto the plane is this tiny person strapped to my back. And, and she's sitting there holding on for dear life, and I'm just like, and I know in my head, or maybe even out loud, you can't hear anything. It's so loud. I'm saying, no, 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 no. <laughs> no. Like, I have just realized that this is a horrible idea, and there is no turning back. So I'm like, fuck. And we tip forward, and I tip forward, and I fall And I cross my arms over my chest, and I put my legs back with my knees bent, and we are falling so fast and so hard. The world is coming up to meet me, and I can feel it. And there is moisture streaming back on my face, um, and the wind is just but so loud, I can't hear anything. And it's this moment where I think I'm, I'm silently screaming, but also holding my breath. So my mouth is just open like, And then I snap. She has released the parachute and I snap back. And the next day I'll find bruises on my thighs and my ass and my right here because it's this huge physics. I don't know, this jerk, you know. I snap and then I'm forward and I'm just looking out and I'm looking down like, ugh. And I realize that the moisture on my face isn't from the wind, that I'm crying. And the girl taps me on my shoulder so I can let my arms out. And I'm vertical, and I'm crying, and I think, I can't believe that she could hear me. Maybe I I stiffened up, or something just seemed weird, because I hear her say right here, are you okay? And I say, my grandfather would be so proud of me right now. and I am, I am crying and I know she must be thinking how did I get stuck with the crazy one <laughs> how did I get stuck everybody was drunk you'd think those people would be the problem I got stuck with the crazy one she's going to have an existential and I did I had an existential crisis right there and the ground is still coming up slower and it's coming and finally we go in for the landing and when you land you lift your legs up you actually don't have them underneath you and you land flat on your ass and grass stains everywhere and I'm sitting there on the ground and she's unstrapping herself as quickly as possible to get away from me (laughs) and I I feel this weight lifted off my shoulders literally and you know metaphorically (laughs) I just feel so much better I stand up and it's I know it's going to be okay kind of and it's the strangest feeling and I thought of this story tonight because a lot of people are having a hard time right now um, for a lot of different reasons and you rally your friends around you and you do really stupid things like jump out of planes and drink too much or whatever but I know that you have to jump or fall and you have to fall and you have to snap and just kind of lose it because then you land. You land and you stand up and you accept that everything is going to be okay. And that's when you're finally free. Thank you. If you to come out and see the show or tell a story yourself, visit tellmemorelive.org. That's tellmemorelive.org. We will find a list of upcoming shows, submission forms, and more storyteller podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening to Tell Me More Live.